We have several things to be praying for. I want us to be remembering this morning James Collard as he's down in the Dominican Republic. He left on Friday and he's down there ministering this week and next week with an organization as they're sharing the gospel with boys as they teach them the sport of baseball, but then use that as an open door to be able to share them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we want to be praying for him. I know he got down there safely, and I'm sure he's hard at work even today. And then also be praying for the Ngoga family. They were going to share a testimony this morning about their mission trip coming up, but they weren't able to be here this morning. They will be here tonight. Very special thing tonight. Many of you know Robert. He's been coming with them for a while, and but he's had to be out on the road earning money. His family just came here uh, from Rwanda as refugees a few weeks ago, and they were able to finally be reunited this week on Thursday. And so they're looking forward to all being together here tonight as a family. So that'll be something very special tonight. Glad that this family's been reunited. Robert's worked very hard uh, to try to be able to provide a place for his family and be able to take care of them. And so we want to remember them in prayer this morning as well. Also had several texts and things this morning from different folks who are sick and not able to be with us. And so we'll be praying for them also this morning. And just thank the Lord as well as we look forward to this week to celebrating uh, the 4th of July. And thank the Lord for the freedoms that He's given us here to be able to worship Him and to be able to do that freely and openly. And we want to thank the Lord for those who have given us that right to be able to do that. So let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for another day to come and to worship You. Lord, I pray for those who couldn't be with us today. Some are away traveling on vacation with family and friends. Pray for safety as they are away. I pray for those who are sick today. Lord, encourage them, strengthen them, bring them back to us soon. Father, we pray for especially for James today as he's down in the Dominican Republic sharing the gospel with many people there. Thank you for giving him the time and the resources to be able to make this trip. I pray that you would bless his efforts down there, that you would use him and the rest of the team that's with him as they share the gospel with boys and girls and with moms and dads using the sport of baseball as an open door to be able to talk about Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd keep him safe and bless their ministry. Pray for the Ngoga family. Lord, even though they're not able to be with us this morning, pray that you'd bless them as they look forward to taking a trip in just a few weeks, some of them going back over seas to Rwanda and to Uganda to minister over there. We thank you for reuniting Robert and his family. Thank you for providing for them financially and taking care of their needs so that they could once again be together as a family. And we'll look forward to rejoicing with them this evening as they are uh, now have a new home together. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our service this morning. We need your help today. Lord, we are nothing without you. We thank you for giving us the freedoms in a country that allows us to worship freely and openly. We thank you for those men and women who gave their lives to be able to give us that freedom. We thank you for their family members who were willing to go through that time of even giving one of their sons or daughters or husbands or wives or family members to serve the cause of freedom in this country. Lord, we know we don't live in a perfect country and there are many problems, many issues. But Lord, we believe that the answer is not more government, it's not more politics. We believe the answer is Jesus. 
I pray that as a church, we would be faithful to lift up the name of Christ, that we would live faithfully before you and before our neighbors and friends and co-workers, a testimony of what it means to live for Jesus, that it's not just something we say, but that it truly changes our lives from the inside out, makes us different people who are desirous of serving you and serving others. I pray that this church would have a wonderful ministry in our community and around the world. And we thank you for that opportunity, even today as several are away. I think even as of Winston as he's out preaching today in another church, encouraging them. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the ministry of this church. And we look forward to what you will do in our hearts and lives today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We are going to dismiss our boys and girls out right now to their junior church time. Brother Josh and Sister Ann are out of town on family vacation. So we've got some more folks taking care of our boys and girls, and there's a big crowd. I hope, parents, that that'll be a challenge to you as well. Even if your children weren't up here just now for that time, that you would be challenged to raise your children as God would have you to do it. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of John. John chapter 20. It is my plan, weather permitting and time permitting, to finish our study in the book of John this morning. We have, I went back and looked. We have been in the book of John. This is the 42nd message from the book of John. And as we've looked through this book, as we've learned of Jesus and what He came to do on this earth, we've learned some wonderful things about our Lord. In fact, the Bible says in John 20 and verse 31, But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. And so as we finish the book of John this morning, we're going to look at some wonderful truth about Jesus. Some truth that Jesus loves people that He serves people, that Jesus comes and meets us where we are. Just like we saw these parents up here, they come to love their children, to serve them, to meet them where they are. We have a heavenly Father who sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're going to see three different situations that Jesus dealt with here in John 20 and 21 where we see that Jesus heals hurts, we will see that Jesus fixes fears, and we will see that Jesus defeats our doubts. Let's look this morning at John chapter 20 beginning in verse number 11. The Bible says this, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. So you know what's going on here. We've kind of jumped forward because we already covered the death, burial, and now we're into the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was persecuted. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was tormented and went through great struggle for you and for me. The Bible tells us that God the Father turned His back on His Son because Jesus bore the sins of the world. That's not just the world out there. That's you and me as well. He took our sins and He died on the cross for them so that we might have eternal life. Jesus died. He was buried. They took Him down from the tomb or down from the cross. Joseph of 
Arimathea went and buried him in his own tomb there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And now it's just a few days later. Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb very early in the morning. She came to anoint the body of Jesus. And when she came there, she found that the stone was rolled away. So she ran to go tell the disciples. Now, if you remember, the 12 disciples, 11 by this time, because Judas had betrayed Jesus, but the 11 were in the upper room, the place where they had taken of the Last Supper with Jesus. They had gone into hiding. They were afraid for their lives. Mary goes and runs to them and says, he, He's not there. His body's not here anymore. And, and John and Peter come running to see what has happened. They came running down and they see the empty tomb. The Bible tells us Peter goes running into the tomb. And Jesus' body, of course, is not there. But then John and Peter leave, presumably to go back and to tell the other disciples what they had seen. And Mary stays there in the garden. See, Mary didn't leave. Mary stayed. And the Bible tells us here that she was weeping. And then in verse 12 it says, And she saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto her, unto him, Rabboni. This is the Aramaic word, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things unto her. I want us to see first of all this morning that Jesus can heal your hurts. We read of this woman, Mary Magdalene, and she's hurting She's weeping. She's in pain. Why did Mary Magdalene care so much? Well, the Bible tells us back in the book of Luke, chapter 8 and verse 2, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Jesus cast out seven demons from Mary Magdalene. The Bible then tells us, if you go down to the next verse in Luke chapter 8, that Mary and some of the other women who were gathered around that Jesus had ministered to, they gave of their own substance. They were financially supporting Jesus in His ministry. This was a woman who had everything that she had from Jesus. 
She had been freed from her slavery to the demonic power that was living inside of her. One demon would be bad enough. The Bible says she had seven. Jesus cast them out. And when Jesus cast these demons out, Mary became a follower of Jesus. She was not just any old follower. She was a committed, devoted follower of Jesus. If you follow the story in Scripture and you go and read the account of Jesus when He was put on the cross, you won't read of all the disciples there. In fact, as far as we know, only one was there, John. But Mary Magdalene was there. Mary Magdalene went to the cross with Jesus. She didn't run away and hide. She was there. Now here it is on Resurrection Sunday morning, and she goes down to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. But wait a minute, if, if you know the story, you'll know that the Bible tells us there was a stone in front of the tomb, and there was a Roman guard standing in front of that tomb to keep anybody from getting in. But that didn't deter Mary. Mary came down ready with her spices. In fact, as you continue to read in the story, and we just read in these verses, when she meets Jesus and thinks he's the gardener, she says, where have they taken away my Lord? She says, let me know, I'll take him away with me. Not taking into account that Jesus was wrapped in burial clothes and spices, probably weighing maybe as much as 75 pounds in addition to what he already weighed. And she says, I'll just take him with me. Mary's not worried about the details. She's there a devoted follower of Jesus. She was so committed to following Jesus that she was willing to put aside her own safety. She was willing to put aside her own comfort. She was there as a follower of Jesus. I think there's some great things we can learn from Mary. Here was a woman who understood what Jesus had done for her. Do you realize what Jesus did for you? You say, well, I didn't have seven, seven demons. But the Bible does say, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mary Magdalene understood what Jesus had done for her. And Mary Magdalene is willing to follow Jesus, even if it means to the very end. Jesus was gone. Mary was weeping. There were things she didn't understand. You ever feel like that in following the Lord? You come across circumstances and situations and you say, God, why are you doing this? In fact, she was in such pain and she was weeping so much that Jesus, even though he was right there with her, she didn't recognize him. Now that happens to us sometimes too. The Bible tells us that our Lord will never leave us and will never forsake us. And yet sometimes doesn't it feel like he's not present? When you're going through hurt, you're going through pain, you're going through struggle, you look around and you say, where is God in all of this? I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus can heal your hurt. He's with you. Jesus came out of all the things He could have been doing. At that moment in time, think about it, He had just risen from the grave. He wasn't 
immediately with his disciples. He wasn't up on a mountaintop preaching somewhere. He went to a garden to go and meet a woman who was hurting and needed her Savior to encourage her. We serve a personal God who cares about our personal needs, our personal hurts. I've talked to people who've said things like, well, I have a lot of problems, but they're not really big problems. God doesn't care about what I'm going through. I want you to know that's wrong. He does care. Jesus cares. You say, it doesn't feel like it. I can't sense His presence. I can't see Him. He is there. He cares. Jesus honored Mary by coming to see her. She was the first one to see Jesus after His resurrection, which is just another evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, in that day and time, a woman's testimony was not considered to be even admissible in a court of law. So who would they pick to witness the resurrection of Jesus? Jesus wanted it to be a woman. Jesus wanted it to be Mary. You see, Mary Magdalene was a woman that she was a committed follower of Jesus She had been tormented, oppressed, tortured by these demons. Jesus had delivered her. He had freed her. He had healed her. He had changed her. And we believe that God can still change lives today. He can still heal people today. When He came into her life, she was all in to serve Him. And now Jesus was gone. And she was hurting. And so Jesus came to her. And when he spoke to her, she didn't first know who, or or when she saw him, she didn't first know who he was. But when Jesus spoke and spoke her name, she recognized his voice. To me, that signifies of a woman who had a very personal relationship with Jesus. She had listened to him speak. She had heard his teachings. She had been close by. I wonder if God was speaking to you, would you recognize his voice? Say, well, I I don't know if God speaks in audible voices like this. Boy, he sure speaks to us through his word, doesn't he? Well, I don't even understand that. Ask God to give you understanding. The Bible says if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. God dwelling in us. Jesus was the Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. Mary Magdalene comes to find Jesus. Jesus is not there, or so she thinks. See, she sees a man thinking he's the gardener. She's willing to take the body of Jesus from him. She doesn't know where or what she's going to do, but she just wants to take care of her Lord because he took care of her. And Jesus, through all of this, comes to encourage her. I think it's interesting in verse 17, he says, Touch me not, 
See, I think what happened here is as she saw Jesus, she ran to him to grab him. And Jesus, is, as if he's saying, don't hang on to me. I haven't ascended up yet. I have places to go. But Jesus is ascending up into heaven, not just to stay there. He's ascended so that one day he will come back again. And he's coming for you and for me and all of those who have believed in his name and trusting in him. I would tell you, if you are hurting this morning, he can heal your hurt. But you know, the story doesn't stop there. We see another run in with Jesus and some other people after his resurrection here in John chapter 20. Look down at verse 19. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut. So this is just later in the day. He's already been with Mary. It says, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. I want you to notice there's fear going on here. He says, it came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace. Be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye. The Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Not only can Jesus heal your hurt, we learn here that Jesus can fix your fear. These disciples were afraid. They had just seen their Lord, their Master, crucified on a cross. And now they're afraid the Roman government, the religious leaders, the Pharisees were coming for them next. It's their turn to die. It's their turn to be persecuted. It's their turn to suffer the same death that Jesus had suffered. These disciples were afraid. You know, when you're afraid, you can't serve God as you ought. When you're afraid, you don't have the confidence to share the gospel as you should. When you allow your fear to control you, you have no strength to do what you ought to do. That's why Jesus came and he brought peace. Jesus came and he brought peace. You see, there is no peace without God. Someone said one time, no God, no peace. N-O, no God, N-O, no peace. But if you know God, you can know peace. K-N-O-W, know God. K-N-O-W, know peace. See, these disciples thought their God, their Lord, had died, that He was gone, so they were afraid. Jesus comes and He brings peace. There are many people today running around and they say, I have no peace in my life. Let me tell you what your problem is. It's because you're not at peace with God. If your life is at peace 
with God, God will be able to give you peace even in the most difficult of circumstances that you face. You say, I don't know if that's true. Philippians 4 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and mine by Christ Jesus. So you mean to tell me that when I'm in a difficult time and everybody, somebody's saying wrong things, they're lying about me, I'm going through a financial struggle, I'm going through a physical struggle, uh, people are doing whatever they're doing to me and I have no peace in my life, that God can still give me peace through that? Yes, He can. Say, how's that possible? When you're at peace with God, God can give you peace in your circumstances. You see, if you follow the story forward, and we don't have time this morning to go through all of it, but you'll read of these disciples as Jesus sends them out. Later, they go out and share the gospel. They go around the world that was known at that time, sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. Many souls were saved. Many churches were started. Many people came to Christ. What happened to those disciples? Why did they lose their fear? Was it because they lost their struggle? No, the struggle was still very real. In fact, most of these disciples gave their lives. They were killed for the cause of Christ. Why did they do that? What changed? What flipped the switch for them? I'll tell you what it was. Jesus brought peace. Secondly, Jesus gave them a purpose. He sent them out. He said, so send I you. And then Jesus gave them the power of the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful to be at peace, isn't it? But there are people who may say, well, I'm at peace, but I, I'm not doing much of anything. I just kind of hide out. That's not what God has called us to do. God's given us a purpose. Some people try to find peace by just isolating themselves from every problem and every struggle and try to fix everything. I'm just going to move into a cabin in the woods and then I'll be at peace. No, you won't because the problem isn't out there. The problem's in here. The reason you're not at peace is not because the world is a mess. The reason you're not at peace is because your relationship with God is not what it needs to be. Jesus gave them peace he gave them a purpose. Isn't it wonderful to have a purpose? To know why you exist and what you're doing. We have some parents up here this morning. They have a purpose. They get to raise their children to follow Him. But you know, parents, I, I haven't experienced this yet, but it'll happen sooner than I want to think about. There will come a day when my kids are going to leave home. But you know, my purpose hasn't ended. God still has a purpose for you. There are a lot of people that they get their purpose so wrapped up in themselves or their children or their job or something that can pass away or that ends, that has a finite ending time, and they struggle. When your purpose is to do whatever God wants you to do with your life, no matter what stage you're at, no matter whether you're a single adult, a married person, somebody with children, somebody whose children are gone, somebody whose spouse is gone, whatever it is, if you understand your purpose is to follow God, to please Him, to share the gospel, you'll never run out of something to do. But having a purpose without any power to accomplish the purpose, that's frustrating too. Have you ever been given a job and then not been given the power to complete that job? 
Do you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like when I was working what some people would call a real job, when I worked more than one day a week, um, that uh, I would have my boss come in and he would give me a list of tasks. One time I got a phone call from my boss at at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. He said, you're supposed to have 150 phone calls logged in the system today. Well, thank you. I didn't know that till just now. You have till 5 o'clock to get that done. You can't make 150 sales calls in an hour. It's just not possible. You say, well, was that frustrating? Yes. Because he gave me a job to do, but he didn't give me the power to accomplish that job. It'd be like if I said, all right, I want you to come in this week and and we're doing a lot of building project stuff around here and praise the Lord, God continues to provide. And if you haven't seen the nurseries, they're coming along and we're, we're thankful for that. But we came in here, all right, we're ready to do the auditorium now. Okay, this week, by yourself, I want you to come in, tear all the carpet out, take all the pews out. I want you to repaint. I want you to do all the work that needs to be done. You'd say, that's crazy. You've given me a purpose, but you didn't give me the power to accomplish that. Pastor, if, you'd, if we had some money, we could hire some people to do it. If we had some help, we could get it done. Having a purpose without any power is frustrating. But God didn't give us a purpose and not give us the power to accomplish it. He gave His disciples the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful blessing. You say, what happened to these guys? Well, Jesus fixed their fear by giving them peace, a purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're fearful this morning, He can fix your fear. He can heal your hurt. But finally, I want you to see one more run-in that Jesus had. With one more of his disciples, you see, when Jesus went to the upper room that first time, one of his disciples was missing. Not talking about Judas, there was another one. His name was Thomas. In fact, today, many people refer to Thomas as Doubting Thomas. I want you to know this morning that Jesus also can defeat your doubt. Say, how did he do that with Thomas? Well, it says here in John chapter 20, verse 24, but Thomas... One of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Maybe some of you are like Thomas this morning. You're a realist. You want to see things and touch things, or you won't believe it yourself. Just because someone else tells you about it isn't good enough. You have to experience it for yourself. I want you to know Jesus came and he met with Thomas too. Just because that's you this morning and you have doubts doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care about you. But I do find it interesting that Jesus waited eight days to come back to Thomas. You see it here. After eight days, verse 26... Again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Can you imagine what's gone on? I don't know what the conversations were, but Thomas had already said this before. You know, I'm not going to believe it until I put my hands, my fingers in the nail holes of his hands, until I put my hand into his side. I'm not going to believe that Jesus is really alive. And his deci- the other disciples say, no, it really happened. We saw him. We were with him. He spoke to us. 
You can imagine eight days later they gathered up and Thomas says, see, I told you so. I still haven't seen him put his in. Oh, hello, Jesus. Can you imagine? Because the Bible says he just appeared. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut. They're up there. They're in that upper room. The doors are shut. I don't know what the conversation was, but I imagine Thomas was still doubting because that's what Thomas does. And Thomas is talking a big talk, perhaps. And Jesus comes into the room. He might have looked around in his head. He's thinking, now, how did he get in here? Jesus came to be where Thomas was. You know, there are people today that think, I'm so far away, I've got so many struggles, God could never come to where I am. I want you to know there's no height or depth where God cannot find you. The Bible tells us over in the book of Psalms, no matter whether we ascend up into heaven or make our bed in hell or take the wind of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, that God is there with us. So here comes Jesus into the room. The doors were shut, but Jesus stood in the midst, and his message is still the same to Thomas that it was to the other disciples. Peace be unto you. Oh, can you imagine what must have been going through Thomas's mind as Jesus said in verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold, my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. What a wonderful challenge to us. Be not faithless, but believing. But I don't see it working out the way I expect it to work out. Be not faithless, believing. Well, I don't sense the presence of God like I used to in my life, so I'm not sure about this. Be not faithless, believing. I'm going through some hard times right now, and it feels like it's been eight days and I still haven't seen Jesus. Be not faithless. Believing. People are turned against us. Everybody seems to be shut up and hiding themselves. Even the other ones who are supposed to be believers. Now think about this. The other disciples, they're still locked up in the upper room too. Be not faithless. Believing. Here's Thomas, he has his doubts, and Jesus comes to him. He says, peace be unto thee. He says, be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas responded the only way that you and I should respond when it comes to God. He looked at Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. Notice he didn't say, our Lord and our God, this is all about it. No, he said, it's my Lord, my God. It's a personal declaration that Jesus was his Lord. If you're just relying on God being the God of this church, or God being the God of your family, or God being the God of the way you grew up, I want you to know that's not enough. Perhaps that's why you're doubting 
But when he's yours, when he's your Lord and your God, when he's my Lord and my God, it becomes personal. Thomas was doubting, but Jesus defeated his doubt. Thomas responds and says, My Lord and my God, and Jesus saith unto him, verse 29, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Praise the Lord for people who see and believe. But notice, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Isn't that interesting? Jesus, clear back a couple thousand years ago, was thinking about you and about me. Because that's us. We haven't seen him. I would ask you, have you believed? Because the reality is every single one of us will see him one day. The Bible tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You will see him. The Bible says for the believer that's when our faith becomes sight. I can see it. See, faith in God is believing something to be true, even if I can't see it. And Jesus says there's a blessing for those who believe, even when they haven't seen. Think about this. Mary Magdalene, she's hurting. The disciples, they're afraid. Thomas, he's doubting. Which of these people did Jesus not care about? He cared about all of them. Jesus came to where each one of them was. He came to be with them. I want to challenge you this morning and encourage you with that thought. It doesn't matter if you're hurting this morning, Jesus can still come and heal your hurt. If you're fearful this morning, if you're afraid because of some circumstance or situation or what someone else might say or do, God can fix your fears. He can bring peace as He gives you a purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're this morning, you're here like Thomas and you're doubting. You can believe. You can believe. Jesus can give you the faith to believe. If you ask, about, ask Him. The Bible tells of one man who cried out and he said, Lord, help Mine unbelief. If you're doubting this morning, ask God to give you the assurance in your heart that He is who He says He is. If you're struggling with what the Bible says about something, ask God to give you clarity and understanding and direction. Lord, help mine unbelief. So that leads us to that final question. Do you believe in Jesus? We see that in verses 30 and 31 and many other signs. Truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. The things that were written here in John, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. This is life that begins the day that you come into a personal relationship with Jesus. This is not just eternal life that happens after you die. This is life that happens right now. Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. That's talking about right now. 
you're living a life caught up in fear, caught up in hurt, caught up in doubt, as many people are, I want to encourage you this morning to walk with Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Follow Jesus. Jesus is wonderful. He's amazing. Jesus is forgiving. He defeats doubts. He heals hurts. He forgives sins. He conquers fears. He's awesome. Life with Jesus is the best life you could ever have. Everybody needs Jesus. You need Jesus. Last weekend, we were so encouraged here. Many people put their faith in Jesus as their Savior. What a blessing. Sunday, July 21st, we'll be having some baptisms. I'm excited about that. But folks, sometimes people come to that place in their life, well, I believed in Jesus, I trusted Him at one time, but now I've got so caught up with the realities of life and I've been hurt. You're hurt. It's, it could be a very genuine, real hurt. But Jesus can heal that hurt. I'm not here to discount your hurt. I'm not here to say, well, your hurt just doesn't matter. No, it's very real. Mary's hurt was very real. Her tears were absolutely genuine. They had taken away her Lord. But you can't take away our Lord, because He lives forever. He'll never leave us or forsake us. You see, those disciples' fear, it was very real. They had something legitimately to be afraid of. We're not here making fun of those disciples, like, what was their problem? Why are they afraid? Hey, if you had the entire Roman government and the religious leaders of the day after you trying to catch you and kill you, would you be afraid? I know I would. We can sit here in a free country in America and talk about these things, praise the Lord. But what would you do? What would I do if they were coming after me? They were afraid, and rightfully so, but Jesus fixed their fear. And old Thomas, his doubt was legitimate. I mean, think about the things he had seen. He had seen Jesus arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, taken away to the cross. He hadn't seen it, but he'd heard about the death that Jesus died on the cross. And that was it, as far as he knew. But Jesus came to him as well. I don't know exactly where you're at this morning. But I don't know about you. When I was studying for this message, I was encouraged. It's a simple thing. Simple interactions of Jesus with his followers. But I think some wonderful truth that we all need to apply to our own lives. Wherever you're at this morning, would you give it to him? If you're hurting today, when we stand in just a minute and bow our heads to pray, would you come down here and pray with me and ask God to heal your hurt and begin to seek after him? If you're afraid this morning, I just stuck because I'm afraid. Would you give it to him and ask him for the peace that passes all understanding? And if you're doubting this morning, you're not sure if you believe in Jesus. Would you come and let me take a Bible and show you what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus? There'd be nothing better in all the world than choosing to follow Jesus this morning. Would you stand with me as we pray? Our pianists still come. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we need you this morning. We always need you, just as we needed you to send Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. 
I thank you for the wonderful example of Jesus as he met with Mary and the disciples and even doubting Thomas. Lord, help us to follow you. Lord, for those who are hurting this morning, those who are fearful, those who are doubting, pray that they'd come this morning and give it to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.